Hello, and welcome to the Lakeshore Records podcast, On Cue With. For this episode, I had the great pleasure of speaking with Jeff Garber, a fantastic composer and writer whose music can be heard in Netflix's smash hit, Virgin River, Nancy Drew, and more. We discussed why Virgin River uncontroversially resonates deeply with so many people, how Jeff transitioned from hard-edged songwriter and rock musician to chameleon-like composer, his earthy minimalist approach to the music of Virgin River, the genius of Thomas Newman, Lindsey Buckingham, Helmet, The Smiths, and The Cure, the influence of Less Than Zero and The Lost Boys, the allure of finger-picking acoustic guitar, how to unlearn the past and develop new versatility, the importance of college radio and keeping up with the zeitgeist, and so much more. I should note, amidst our conversation, we contended with some internet audio hiccups and dogs barking, but it's a small price to pay for a great conversation. Virgin River, music from the Netflix series, is out now worldwide via Lakeshore Records. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jeff as much as I did. Hey Jeff, welcome. Thank you for being here. Congratulations on all the success. Um, Thank you. Really, uh, it's a worldwide phenomenon. If you're aware of how well the, the soundtrack is doing on the charts. And we'll, and we'll get to that. Um, but I'd love if we can start off, if you could tell me a little about where you grew up, what got you into music, what got music into you? I grew up in Illinois, Southern Illinois, um, right outside of St. Louis. And my dad played in cover bands and stuff. Uh, my dad, my mom and dad were 19 when they had me. So they were relatively young. And, um, there was, in, there was always instruments in the house. And I was, you know, I was one of those kids that was banging on pots and pans from like two or three on. I just always had it in me. And I always, I always made music and, you know, I was one of those kids that I had a band by the time I was 13 and had lots of high school bands and stuff. Um, I ended up moving out here. Well, I, my, uh, one, one weird thing, uh, my little town Collinsville where I'm from, Michael Stipe from REM had graduated from our high school. So, you know, I don't, it was the nineties, um, you know, grunge was huge and REM was huge. And, you know, it was just a musical town. Everybody I knew played music, um, lots of little local bands. And, and some of us kind of moved up to Champaign, Illinois, which was a big college town and lots of bands there. Even some kind of famous bands are from there and it's right outside of Chicago too. So, you know, my, my course in life just was a music course. You know, I didn't really, I wasn't a studious person. I just always wanted to be in bands. I always wanted to be making music. Uh, that that brought me all the way out here. I got signed um, to Elector Records with a band called Year of the Rabbit back in the early 2000s. And that's what moved me out here and, you know, did that whole kind of rock and roll thing for a few years and um, got left with some home recording gear, little tiny Pro Tools rig. Mm-hmm. Um, thought my career was sort of over in my like, you know, mid 30s or so. Started making bedroom recordings of indie rock started kind of giving those out to my friends had some friends that sort of worked at mtv um and that sort of turned into library work um started doing tons of work for um, extreme and uh mtv started getting lots of song placements and somehow i don't i don't know you know i don't know if any two composers get to the get to the end of the line the same way mine was super weird I never expected to be a composer I didn't even know there was you know I always knew there was composers but I didn't really ever think that I would do that I thought I was kind of a a rock musician but turns out you know I was one of those guys that can make a lot of different kinds of songs I could make them all at my house I could do lots of different things and I ended up uh getting a call from a fellow named Siddhartha Kosla who composes This Is Us and he he had just done the pilot for this is us and he was looking for an assistant and I auditioned and just, he's like, I, I like you. I think you're the guy. Can you help me out on, on one of my shows? And that was uh, like six years ago. And it's been kind of a wild ride ever since. That's crazy. And, and so you, when you were young, you know, you said that Michael Stipe went, went to your high school. Yeah. So you, you had, you had some, uh, you had some trailblazers there. Did you, yeah. were you, were you a songwriter? Were you playing guitar? Yeah. Were you, like, I was, I'm like one of those 
born songwriters. I'm not very good at any particular instrument. I'm just like adequate. I'm an adequate musician. So, you know, my dad was really good on guitar. He was like an, he was just like a soloer. He, you know, he was a big Eddie Van Halen fan and um, he would sit and learn those solos Mm -hmm. by, you know, taking a record player and slowing it down. And my dad would just sit there and learn Eddie Van Halen solos. He tried to teach me how to become that, but my world was starting to be the cure and, and REM, you know, my, that was the music that meant a lot to me. was just that emotional alternative music. Cause I, you know, 12, 13, 14, when you really start getting into falling in love and romance and all that stuff in school, your music is, that's sort of your music, you know, that's your stamp. And I wasn't into rock and roll and he, my dad would try to give me lessons on guitar, but I didn't really want to do that. I just wanted to play chords. I was like, nobody solos anymore, dad. It's all, you know, it's all chord structures. And I, you know, he's, he taught me the seven chords or whatever. And I learned those and I would, I started writing songs from the get go. Um, and I think my one, the thing that never, that I, one of the reasons I don't think I ever became super successful in, in, in rock or alternative was that I, every week I had a new favorite band. If it wasn't the, if it was the Smiths this week, next week it would be the cure. And if it wasn't that, you know, as, as grunge sort of took over, then I wanted to be a hard rocker. I, I like helmet and Nirvana and, and all sorts of heavy bands and Soundgarden and all that stuff. And then after that, I liked, you know, Chemical Brothers and all the, you know, I've just, I've been a music lover of every style that's came since, since, you know, I was there and I would show up to practice every week in any band I was ever in. And I always, always had too many, too much new stuff. <laughs> I was, you know, I was like, ah, oh, the songs we wrote last week aren't any good. Here's the brand new songs. And, and that kind of turned bandmates off all the time, but I, you know, it became sort of my lifeblood now. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can, you know, when you're a composer, you can be a chameleon every, you know, every new project's completely different than the last project. So little did I know I was just sort of training <laughs> to become a chameleon later on. So yeah, I was always a writer. Um, and whether that was just, um, you know, simple songs. I mean, I'm pro- I, I've probably written thousands of songs before I ever even became a composer. What was it like transitioning to scoring a picture? Whenever I look at picture, I my hands do something almost immediately like and whether that's on acoustic guitar for like a virgin river or i also do nancy drew which is all synthesizer based so i just look at it and i i usually feel i feel it out almost immediately and there's some sort of like weird (laughs) voodoo that happens when you look at picture and you come up with something that you would have never come up with you know if it wasn't being written for picture and i love it it's kind of my favorite thing I always I love demoing. I think that's a fun way to. Some guys don't like demoing, but I do because I'll be like, "Well, here's what I think it could be." Um, and sometimes you get those gigs, and sometimes you don't. A lot of times you don't, but <laughs> when you sure. get one, um, it's kind of awesome because I love having you know when you're in there really early, and you have time to throw a lot of stuff at the wall while they're making the first episode. You know, it's fun trying to land on whatever what it's going to be i mean you basically always write your encyclopedia on the first episode yeah yeah but and you um, you stayed that sonic palette i mean the the interesting thing about virgin river or there's many interesting things but it's like you know you're dealing with love and it's it's sweet and they're navigating relationships and life gets in the way and uh, but there's this community and then there's this these lush landscapes and it's sort of native so it makes sense that you know there'd be guitars and piano and uh you know your the sonic palette is very very cohesive i'm wondering if you're if you ever had any challenges in terms of like how melodramatic or dramatic to go or big to go with it well you know it's one of those shows that could have been like to me, it didn't need a sappy score. It would have just been overkill, um, mm-hmm. because yeah, I mean the lushness of it and the I don't know. Some about there's a lot of panning. You know, there's a lot of panning shots. You know, in between scenes and stuff, and those are really inspiring. It's always inspiring to look at Earth, and when I sure. look at, when you look at landscapes, um, 
And I love, you know, if they've put something, put a camera on a crane and zoomed in on something, you know, I love those. I love flying in on a shot or whatever and establishing something. And I, I usually play on those transitions and they just spoke to me and it, it felt like earth and it felt like home. Um, and it called, it felt like it called for earthy instruments. And I think, you know, that, and to me, that always means acoustic or piano. And this is kind of a strange show because I play 90% of it on acoustic instruments. So it's, it's not, um, it's, it's hard to, it's not the easy, it's not a super easy show to do because, you know, everything is, I try to take good care of everything and make sure it sounds really good. And, um, it's all finger picking. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I just tried to get as close to those camera shots as I could with like an instrument. Um, yeah. And at first, I think I pushed a little bit more mandolin and a little bit more um, earthy tones. And at some point, someone was like, yeah, <laughs> let's just go. With, I think the acoustic guitar is, is enough. You know, we don't really nobody. They didn't really want it to sound too countryish, even though we're sort of out in the middle of nowhere. You know, like I, my first ideas were like I was using mandolin and acoustic guitars. And that was probably just too much. You know, mm-hmm. it's like. It, there it's always a balance on score you mm-hmm. know score score is minimal sure um and that's a that's a hard thing to learn when you're coming from um bands or you know bands are big and powerful usually and scoring is small um yeah and i'm i'm always unlearning my past <laughs> <laughs> and realizing that you don't have to do too much to say a lot on a score sure and i usually i usually let the 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 footage do the talking mm-hmm. and i support you know I, I i do try to put a big personality on those pieces because it's melancholy too the show's sort of melancholy in a way mm-hmm. even though that it's you know there's a lot of love and there's a lot there's heartbreak and you know there's a lot there's a lot of real things that happen on it so you know i think it's it's a good fit for me because I'm sort of melancholy in the way I like to write. Mm-hmm. Going back to those Smiths and Cure days of my like <laughs> first musical loves, I try to throw that stuff in there, even though it almost has nothing to do with that show. Mm-hmm. But playing minor chords and coming from a more of an alternative space is kind of like my. That's what I'm trying to do. I like to crowbar in as much cool core changes and, and, and things like that that I can just to make it different. is actually pretty ferocious of the narrative storytelling. Like there's a lot, every scene offers like conflict and resolution in a very finite amount of time. And yeah, they, they'll thread the needle and, and then be like, then, then you gotta, you gotta jump, you know, you gotta, you'll be on one path and then you're on another path, you know, and doing uh, left turns on, on songs like that or it's interesting you know to go from being sad and melancholy to being angry or to being you know threading those needles it's always funny because you you know we always watch the show as a team um they'll send me the show and virgin river is cool because it's a a netflix show so you always get a good three weeks to probably get it done three weeks to a month it's a lot longer than network because network you're it's it's due in seven days there is always a lot of changes like you say like a scene will be doing one thing and then it has to change into something else so temp music never really works 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, you got to be on your toes all the time and figure out how to go from being having one mood to another. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I think that that's I think that the acoustic guitar in particular is a very useful tool with that because you can do so much. Yeah. You can go in so many different directions. Um, yeah. You know, it's like you kind of set up a tempo. It's <laughs> going so funny because you let's say you set it up at 90 BPM and then, you know, you just, you just cross two fingers that it's going <laughs> to, that's going to work for the whole scene or whatever, you know? Um, and then when they change course, then yes, I feel like sometimes producers are like, okay, like pick it up here or whatever. But you know, then I'm like, well, I don't want to change pace, you know, like I like what we're doing. So yeah, it's always, scoring's always challenging. It's, it's kinda, yeah. It's always fun because it's a different, day every day you never know what they're gonna write i love i love like not read i don't read the scripts ahead of time i like to just i like to be as surprised as anybody else would Mm -hmm. when i watch Mm -hmm. something you know like i love watching watching it and be like holy crap i did not see that coming because then Mm -hmm. i'll be i'll be riding along with it i'll be like oh shit we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do something different here that's smart that's probably prevents you from telegraphing any yeah, because you don't want to know what's going to happen at the end of the season. You know, I like to write yeah. along with the viewer. Um, and there's two schools of thought on on score. I think some composers are like, just support, don't don't ever stick out. Mm-hmm. And then some score kind of needs to stick out. Sure. You know, like sometimes you really need to feel like if an emotion is not quite there on screen, a lot of times they'll ask you to pull it out. Mm-hmm. you know that's the funny thing about music is you're the last in line so sure. they've shot everything they've you know they've written everything they've shot everything they've gotten all their notes um but if they didn't get exactly everything they want sometimes it's your job to to drive that thing home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and in, in something like this you know the other thing that i that i personally think about the show is the character's they seem to uniquely talk about their feelings. Like they really, really, <laughs> they articulate themselves well. I mean, it's sort of a poor analogy in some ways, given the connotations, but something mm-hmm. Aaron Sorkin-esque about in terms of the dialogue, like they're very articulating their experience pretty damn well. And, yeah. Um, and, I mean, and I find that to be very interesting because you can go many ways with that musically you have to treat that well yeah and we always try to like if it doesn't need score we just absolutely don't do it you know what i mean like um because i you know if they want it we'll do it if they don't want it totally cool you know like i hate inserting score where it's unnecessary the actors are doing their jobs you don't you know you don't really need a ton of score mm-hmm. if some shows are just wall-to-wall score because they're fun and they're action paced and they're, you know, they need something, an undercurrent. But a show like Virgin River has so many things that can speak for its for its own self. I usually just jump in if we really need to, like, get this point across, you know. Um, and like I said, a lot of times it's just support. Like if someone's having kind of a long talk about a pretty serious life thing, the acoustic does. It's like if you can you can just coast along behind them sometimes and support them without you know saying too much but you can definitely just get their their emotions across with you know very gentle acoustic two or three strings you know it's not a strummy show mm-hmm. i try to never like i only strum if it's like young people <laughs> kind of funny like because the show's always broken up between now it's broken up between kind of an older generation a middle-aged generation and now we have younger kids on the show too so the younger kids get <laughs> more of a strum and everybody else sort of gets like a more mature like thought-provoking sort of acoustic lick or whatever yeah I, you know i've thought about it a lot actually and I, i'm curious if you have any opinion i can't figure out what it is about that sort of finger picking and I've talked to, I talked to like Matt Sweeney, some, some really great guitar, hmm. you know, like about this. Yeah. What is that quality? Why is that so, I don't know what the word is, it's not primal, but it just like brings you back home. Why does doing this <laughs> on an, an instrument, <laughs> there's wood, 
you know yeah actual textural earth earthy elements yeah that's what i'm but that's what i'm saying it's so like if i look at a mountain i instantly think of finger picking (laughs) i don't know why i guess because all those instruments do people finger pick a banjo they finger pick mandolins you know picks are probably kind of for a mid-century thing if you really think about it i mean picks are sort of rock and roll yeah 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 that's true everything prior to that was probably finger picking and when you you know the best finger picker in the world probably you know like lindsey buckingham Mm -hmm. finger picked his way through fleetwood mac i don't think he ever used to pick um and that feels totally different than any other guitar playing there is. You know what I mean? Like, sure. it's a thing, and it's such a thing. And I think it's because, and Eddie Van Halen even, you know, if, if the pick's doing this, he's got other fingers that are doing, you know, <laughs> the little mm-hmm. fingers are doing things too on, on strings. I mean, it's classical. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. classical guitar, so you're, you're basically going back to the, the drawing book. You can use more fingers, you get, and you can get way more points across with it. Mm-hmm. yeah i think and, yeah it's portable so it's like you can bring it anywhere more or less yeah it's light like literally you can bring it out to the mountain you can bring it out to the to the woods you can bring it out to the yeah. lake you can bring it out yeah that makes sense yeah um, i mean it's not a show that would have ever had like a rock um <laughs> there's no i don't think i've ever used a guitar on it like an electric guitar yeah i think i've tried to insert one in here and there and it's just like eh. Doesn't work at all. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, let me ask you this. What shows or um, movies influenced you growing up? Um, I, you know, like, I didn't even know this at the time, but I, I was a huge fan of, like, this movie called Less Than Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, Lost Boys. All these movies uh, of my generation, what a, all, they're all scored by the same guy. Um, who, who scored Lost Boys? I should know that. Uh, Thomas Newman. I should. And know he scored that. less than zero. So, like, yeah. I used to sit there with less than zero, and like, literally watch this one scene over and over again when when uh, Robert Downey Jr. dies, and it was this most beautiful little sweeping piece of music. Um, and I had no idea until like three years ago that it was Thomas Newman. I just knew that I loved this, this music and I loved the Lost Boys. And I, it turns out I was just a huge Thomas Newman fan, like Shawshank Redemption. Like most of my favorite scores are Thomas Newman. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Um, I had huge inspirations though. I loved, um, I loved Risky Business, mm-hmm. which is um, Tangerine Dream. And I also loved uh, this movie called Three O'Clock High, which is also Tangerine Dream. Like Tangerine Dream, these early like synth duos and this like people were speaking to me like really early on. And I was like, a, I was a soundtrack person. I love soundtracks. Um, there was a movie that like Peter Gabriel did too, like Last Temptation of Christ. I really liked is like a, you know, like a seventh yeah. grader. Like I had like the Last Temptation tape, you know, <laughs> like just and <laughs> I had the Edward Scissorhands tape too. Like me and my friends would literally sit around and listen to score. It was very, you know. I don't think you'd catch many people do. Man, yeah, I bet that's not true because people probably listen to Stranger Things all the time. I'm sure kids listen to Stranger Things all the time because, you know, somebody comes along every few years with something really interesting to say and it just becomes, you know, kind of a universal appeal. Sure. So sure. I was totally into it, but I didn't know how to get into the business. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I was told that you could only do that kind of thing if you knew how to, if you were like classically trained. Mm-hmm. I was kind of told really early, like you could never score. So I, that always stuck in my head. And, and that, that might've been true back in those, you know, back in the eighties or nineties, you know what I mean? Because there wasn't, a lot of it was traditional. Every, every, every composer didn't have a computer in his, um, you know, bedroom where he could compose. Yeah. Like the, com- the composer landscape has completely changed over the last 20 years because it's, it's more open now. It's, it's open to, indie musicians it's open to rock people it's open to it's not just for classically trained um musicians anymore yeah yeah and you know danny elfman probably kicked that door down you know Mm -hmm. and he did it in such a way that it made you know 
made rock and roll people be able to get in there and say say their piece and sort of changed a lot of things probably what um what current musicians are you excited about? more recent history well i still i love um i love watching i love ozark mm-hmm. i like that score a lot you know i like um so danny and i like um i like better call saul and breaking bad i think i think better call saul is like probably my favorite scored show right now it's just so um nuanced and chill um you know somehow all the big shows that i that you love and obviously stranger things is incredible and um the uh, queen's gambit i thought was just awesome too and mandalorian i love that you know there's so many new voices out there that are really doing amazing things and i also like um i'm still i'm still huge into indie rock so like all day long in my you know, being a composer is tough because you're kind of like making music all day. And the last thing you want to do sometimes is listen to music. But when I sometimes I catch this little summer break here and like all last summer, I just listened to um, Sirius XMU, which is their little college indie mm-hmm. station. And, you know, I find like three or, you know, three or four or five, six records that I end up liking for the rest of the year. And now that's happening again. I'm still like a tried and true college radio. You know, I love listening to indie bands and I love hearing all the new stuff that comes out all the time because i like to that's what i want to do i want to put that sort of emotion into score mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and score that's stuff cool. not so traditionally but you know use whatever i can use to get those points across because i still believe that there's something weird about indie music you know it's always it, it's always melancholy like oh like college rock is always weird you know like um the college rock top 10 is always like jesus what's wrong with all these why is everybody so sad you know um but you're in college and you're young and shit's weird you know so it should be weird you know it doesn't it shouldn't be the stuff that's on the pop station yeah which i also like i I would just argue like how interesting (laughs) is it to to like sing about how everything is butterflies and rains right yeah like there's only so much of that they do before yeah and that's all over the pop station like that's already being done all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my kids only like pop so in the car it's always a fight you know yeah. they're like turn your shit turn your indie music off put put hits one back on now um because they're like seven and nine they could literally care less about my taste you know yeah i experienced want- the same i i I have a year-old and a, and a six-year-old and it's like they, anytime, it's literally every time that we're anywhere near any place that can, the car um, or any space music can be played and negotiations. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And I've raised them on good music, you know, <laughs> like they've listened, they've listened to every Tame Impala record in succession many 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 times and they they're like yeah turn that off man like it's so weird because my parents <laughs> they were playing the who and and super tramp and all these you know i grew up, grew up on classic rock and i love classic rock i can't believe that my children are not taking my musical interest it's very weird yeah again i'll say yeah i think you're you're driving it home to their subconscious it'll you'll see it rear its head like in seventh or eighth grade they're going to be like yeah hey, maybe you are cool yeah D- totally. doubtful doubtful <laughs> um let me ask you this if you this, this is a mean you've cited many musical influences but i like to ask users this um your top three if you have to just pick top three influences. Who would they be? Ooh, that's tough. Like, probably you know, at this point, I got to say that score is a big part of my life because it's kind of like it controls ten hours of my day. So you know, mm-hmm. Thomas Newman for sure. He's got to be my number mm-hmm. one. I I think that's my uh, that's like my composer hero for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like. You know, even now the the kids, I'll watch uh, like Finding Nemo, mm-hmm. and I'll, it'll hit me like a ton of bricks. Though, like he, 
uh, I don't know what, sometimes I've, I've sat down to learn a couple of Thomas Newman pieces and there's, I think there's like lots of like fourths and fifths and there's very interesting, like top um, higher note things that happen. And it's very signature. Like you can usually hear a piece and be like, oh yeah, that's Thomas Newman. Mm-hmm. So he's probably my number one composer influence. And, and I got to say that I don't think I ever write a song without thinking about like a, the cure and how, Mm-hmm. does this sound disintegration enough to make sure that this gets past you know <laughs> gets past yeah. my like it has to get past my sort of like stamp of approval um as far as being cool mm-hmm. so i always have it in the back of my mind is it doing these the right alternative music signature i there's only you know those bass lines between like here and new order are very particular and i would bet my life that every trailer you see like every big movie trailer pretty much follows one of those kind of chord structures, mm-hmm. like a very cure slash new order. Like, and I don't know if it's like, you know, major, major, minor, there's mm-hmm. some sort of weird lift or something that happens, but it's, I can usually be like, Oh, that's, that's off disintegration or that's off of, you know, Oh, that's the forest. That's the, that's the baseline from, you know, I can hear those things because, mm-hmm. you know, people that are doing lots of stuff are my age and younger, usually at this point. And, I can hear I can hear everybody's influence. Yeah. So you know, Thomas Newman, The Cure, and um, God, I mean, I don't know who, who to name for a third. Like I think about those two things all the time when I'm actually scoring. I think about Radiohead a lot too. I think about like the way Radiohead uses textures. Because mm-hmm. what I'll do is, if I'm scoring a piece, like Radiohead's an excellent example. So yeah, that's a third great influence. Because think about Radiohead, there's a, always a lot of like guitars and bass happening, but like, especially in the last couple of records, Johnny Greenwood, who is composing now too, mm-hmm. uses tons of strings. Mm-hmm. So the strings are in there all the time now too, and they're beautiful and they're thoughtful. And um, I put strings and atmospheres almost on, on every single piece I do, even on a Virgin River simple piece. There's always some sort of like reverbed out pad or something in the background. It's sort of supporting the acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll do that with a little violin string too, you know, sample. But between those three, you know, and I like, I like all sorts of composers. I like any composer that is doing something just like Thomas Newman hits me in the face with score. Mm-hmm. Like when I watch Shawshank Redemption, I like freak out. Like it is so important to me, that music. Um, and a lot of score doesn't do that you know you don't really some score you just just kind of goes by and you don't notice it but I love getting hit in the face with (laughs) a good piece of music and crying about it or something yeah no Shank is one of the ones where I've actually consciously not figured it like I don't want to know how he baked that bread you know I just want (laughs) to leave that mystery so that I can just purely enjoy it. I had the yeah. same thing with um, Blackbird for a really long time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the guitar, I was just like... Yeah, that's, that's a tough I, one. I, yeah, I was like, when I was a kid, I somehow decided to myself, I want to learn this song because there's something magical about it and I want yeah. to keep it pure. But then as I got older and like, you know, I was like, I should know how to uh-huh. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, Shawshank is just so amazing, so yeah. incredible. He really tapped into something. I don't, yeah, and I don't know what it is. It looks looks and feels like that movie. And that movie, while it wasn't like a, a, I don't even know if it was a big commercial success, but it grew and grew and grew and grew, just from you know just a devoted just people fan base of people that actually watch movies you know it became sort of a one of those movies that became bigger later like uh, Fargo and Big Lebowski and stuff like that you know where they're not super popular when they arrive but then they live forever and they're always on people's top fives you know yeah it's funny I know the, the through line for me personally that I noticed in the movies that you've cited three o'clock, o'clock um, the Lost Boys Shawshank um, Fargo I think you say Lebowski. Yeah. Uh, uh, like all of those also for me personally, if they're on, not that I watch much TV anymore in the, yeah. in the world of Netflix, but if they're on, I have 
yeah. watch them. Yeah, if it's on, to... I'm watching. Yeah, totally, totally. So, um, yeah, there's this like really weird crop of movies that are out there that um, I don't know if they're like boy movies. You know, it's not, a lot of times my wife would be like, you're not watching Shawshank again, are you? <laughs> so like, it's something weird about watching like a bunch of men trapped somewhere. You know what right. I mean? Like, and that might yeah. only appeal to like, um, like I've always had this big fear about like, I don't want to lose my, you know, like I used to fear going to jail for some reason, just out of like this weird, like cosmic thing i don't you know like uh, i always yeah. just used to be i'm sure a lot of people are scared that for some reason they'll do something wrong and then they'll end up in prison and that movie was just very um crucial to me but fargo the movie and you know all four seasons of fargo the show are amazing too and that's got a killer score on it too like i mean there is so much what happened in the last you know since i guess you would say post some people say post sopranos but you know post breaking bad especially like tv is just and mad post madman breaking breaking bad tv is just sure. it's it it's just yeah. it um yeah. because the stories that can be told on a queen's gambit when you're you're basically getting a great book over what seven seven episodes and mayor of east town just did it too and it was just like wow you know like yeah. sure i love uh it's like getting a big long movie mm-hmm movie that probably yeah. wouldn't get greenlit anymore because it's yeah. too it's yeah. too good <laughs> sure yeah i mean and then there you know then you got something like game of thrones which is just like has the budget as the budget of, of movies as well you know yeah i mean it's just insane per episode and um, yeah another, that's another amazing composer and he you know his uh raymond score on uh, i love um westworld yeah which you can tell is, you know, like, I don't even know if you'd put it together that the same people did, you know, that one person did Game of Thrones in Westworld, you know, yeah. that's what, that's what's awesome about scoring, you know what I mean? Like, you can become something completely different than what you were, you know, last week or whatever. And sometimes, yeah. like, these last, actually, th so three seasons in a row, I've done like, um, virgin river which is all acoustic and then i go to synthesizers in in the afternoon for nancy drew so it's like complete 180 like mm -hmm. i basically have to like go to i basically have to eat something for lunch and turn around and do something just completely different it's probably good for you it's probably a good experience. i know it's like, it, it, it's like it keeps me on my toes for sure yeah keeps you sharp um, do you have a a project or dream collaborators in mind well i think you know when you're i'm such a newbie as far as composing goes you know um you know obviously everybody everybody is just wishing and praying for their handmaid's tale or their you know or their um something that's gonna spark lots of discussion and spark lots of talk just in general on a um drama level like every composer wants a big drama you know i love mm. i love drama and virgin I, I mean i've gotten so lucky with virgin river virgin river was actually my first solo drama it's my first mm. show where i was you know because i share shows with sid like sid and i both he gives me co-credit on certain shows but virgin river was my first one i'm doing by myself and to have it sort of do what it's done for my first time out it's incredible but it's, you know, it's such a, I love doing it because it's like, it's actually fun and stuff, but it, you know, I want to do one of those like dark, I want to do dark, you know, I can't yeah. wait to do one of those. Um, something, you know, Handmaid's Tale, would, it, it's such a like scary proposition. Mm -hmm. I love stuff like that. And I also love like, you know, I'm waiting for a Star Trek to come up too, because I love space. I love, <laughs> I love those big, uh, you know, those Nolan things, you know, which is dream big, but you know, why not dream big? I guess, right? Yeah, that's the question, right? What's the yeah. dream prop? Um, yeah, the dream is to is to just like, just kill it with, um, you know, I don't. It's weird how you could go from your bedroom to all of a sudden you could be in a studio within a year, like talking to a a uh, arranger about how to do 
how to do this 40 piece orchestra, you know, like, and I've, I've seen my friends of mine have done that where they're like, you know, they're in their bedroom one minute and all of a sudden they're like having to explain what they're doing to 40 people. And it's, you know, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool to see how yeah. your sonic vision can get iterated into bigger and bigger um, pieces. And yeah, I would love to see you do this. I'd love to see you do dark. That'd be cool. I mean, cause you have a different sort of, uh, you've got a big bag of tricks. Yeah. And I got into the movie trailer world too, that uh, I pitched for uh, trailers for a couple of years and it, it's fun. You know, I love throwing the hammer down. Yeah. And, uh, and really getting in there and cooking on stuff with big synths and big arpeggios and big chugging explosions and stuff. I love to do that stuff. And, but then again, I may never get to do something as gentle and eat and as like with ease as virgin. So I got to take it slow. You know, I got to, you got to enjoy all the, the stops along the way, you know, because this one's so gentle and fun. Yeah. That I'll, if it goes away, I'll, I'll greatly miss it because it's almost a reprieve. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's, I mean, it's like uh, people are so into it. I mean, so, you know, like, like passionately into this show. My well, wife is like, you know, super all, she's like, I had to, you know, we were, we knew we were going to release the soundtrack and yeah. the release date and all that. Like, I couldn't even tell her. Right. And she, and, and she was, she's so into it. It's just, it's a phenomenon. Well, that's what's incredible because I could have, like, as a composer, you're like, oh, I want, I want a space show or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> but that would not matter to as many, you know what I mean? Like, the amount of people this one has touched is crazy because, yeah, like, every, almost everybody I ever went to high school with, every mom I know, every, producer every, every it's just it's out there now it is in the ether so it's like i mean i'm it's so weird that it happened on my like i said i'm like just very i think i'm just surprised still you know what i mean i'm just like always sort of like what um to have you know every person i went like if i can't i haven't ever i haven't been home to my hometown since the show started and I mean, people, everyone watches it that I know from high school and stuff. It's so strange. Like when I announce something and post about it, I get so many like just thank yous. And like people are so happy that like it's coming, like it'll be on another season. Like it brings so much like joy to them. And it's just like, wow. It's just, it feels weird. Yeah. And I have to say, I think there's, there's an, the added element of the, of the arriving amidst pandemic. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that it, it's really providing a very valuable service of entertainment. Yeah. Like to, be, to have something that you can watch that you will have conflict and resolution. You will have drama. You will have all of these things. You'll have all the elements of entertainment and character development, but you like sans massive anxiety. Right. Right. Yeah. And we don't, you know, we don't really bring politics into the show. So it's like, it's also a big crossover show, I would imagine, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't look at the demographics on it, but I I know that they are because like, no one's mm -hmm. arguing about it on Facebook. You know what I mean? It's just like, everybody's like, that's my show. So I think that's kind of interesting that there's there's still something that you can sort of put out there in the world that people won't fight over, that's which is true. <laughs> That's you know what I mean? A very point. That's a very, very good point. I mean, that's, that's nothing small about that. That's it's very hard to be able to say that. I know. So it's universal in a funny way, because yeah, yeah. we're in a pandemic. We've done two. We put out a season. You know, we did season two, and that that came out in November. So we've gotten to squeeze two in there while everybody's been sitting at home, which is just mm -hmm. kind of awesome. I mean, we were one of the first shows back up in production because you know we filmed. They film in up north of Vancouver, so you know we got to come right back. I mean, we were—I missed maybe a month or so. We were hardly yeah. even delayed, so it's been pretty amazing. Um, and it is something for people to do. I mean, Netflix is just awesome right now for for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a, uh, but I you know, and I and I don't know how to take it. You know what I mean? I, I just got to enjoy it and, and have fun with it and. 
like now, you know, if we start another season, I got to like, now what am I going to do? <laughs> I got to up my game on, on my guitars yeah, here. Yeah. What, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it better? Well, it, what you're doing is working. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, uh, let me ask you, I'm conscious of the time. We've got two more, two more quick questions for you. Um, okay. Advice for upcoming musicians or composers? Man, I just wish somebody would have told me about this. You know, <laughs> I would have started doing this when I was 20 if I knew that it sort of existed. I, I just didn't know how to, how to get there. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's almost as if you, if you're young and you want to do this, you know, it's, um, you can always like, I didn't really know this, but you can kind of look on IMDb and look up almost anybody. Mm -hmm. And you can basically email almost anybody in the world at this point and be like, Hey, um, can I assist you? Or can I, can I help you in any way? So I wish I would have known that. I wish I would have known that it's not that hard to try to audition for somebody or, you know, you can always eat cold email anybody and ask them if you can be of assistance or, Hey, can you check this out? You know, if anybody ever wants to look me up and email me and I think that's totally cool. Please do tell me what you got. Show me what you got, you know, like, um, and you know, I, I made it, I made it or, I mean, I, I started in this thing pretty late. Mm -hmm. I didn't really start getting into TV music until like I was in my mid thirties. Mm -hmm. So you can have, <laughs> you could, you could be in a band for many years and then still you know, a composer career can go forever too. You know, you can do this into your 60s, 70s, 80s. Look at, uh, pretty sure I saw John Williams last summer at the Hollywood Bowl and I, <laughs> he's got to be cooking around mid 90s. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's something that you can do forever. If you have, if you're a writer and you have something to say, um, there's so many TV shows being made right now. I think that there's, there's room for everybody. You er, earlier you said that um, you know you were at one point you were under the uh, someone had told you you need to be classically trained or right. all of that. What what do you feel now having been on the other side of that in this current climate? What do you feel you need? What are the prerequisites of let's say talent or ability to? Uh, you should probably you know I think being a writer is probably the biggest the biggest um, key and being someone that's kind of versed on um, a lot of different styles because you'll, you'll need them. You'll need every trick in the book. If you want, I mean, you don't have to do a zillion different things, but a lot of people that are doing the most interesting things, whether that be, um, you know, anybody that's jumping around from genre to genre has got to know the basis of these genres, you know, and, sure. and where those, whether those lie in film score or whether those lie in music or whatever, you know, you just, you have to be versed in music. You have to be a writer. And, uh, you know, one weird thing about music lately is you have to be pretty good at computers. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be good at uh, hard drive space and, <laughs> and uh, fast computing. And, you know, it takes a lot of money to, to build up your rig in order to do the stuff that's required of you. Sure. Um, so you have to be adept, you know, like I, I try to talk to younger people. I, I go to the, um, we have a little music school in Pasadena and I go talk to them, those kids like once a semester. And, you know, I was, I was super poor when I was younger and trying to do band stuff. Cause that's a hard life. It's hard to do. Um, and I, I saved up the smallest amount of money and, and got the little tiny pro tools. You know, I started with two inputs and now, you know, I have a big gigantic studio, but you can always, you can do it. If you're a writer, you can do it. I mean, if I did it, and it, you know, <laughs> what they always say, if I could pull this off, anybody can pull this off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good line. If you're a writer, you can do it. I like that. Yeah. I mean, writing is, is key. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, anybody, whether you're Ed Sheeran or, you know, um, Johnny Greenwood or whatever. I mean, those guys, are, if you're a writer, you can write score, you can write songs, you can write pop songs, you can write whatever you want. There's room for everything. There's yeah. 400 shows going on. Right now. Yeah. The, I and, mean, there's even more. Like, we, we live in a very uh, global entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's a global yeah. now. And you, that's the thing. 
like it's not just you're not talking about the United States anymore. You know, we put these shows in countless languages, you know, I mean, it's happening all over the world that people are enjoying this stuff. And it's, it's just fantastic. It's so cool. Um, so this is my final question for you, Jeff. Uh, it's a, it's a thought experiment. Um, I'm not religious. It's, uh, it's, you get in front of God in heaven. What song do you play? What do you do? <laughs> I play a blackbird on acoustic guitar. <laughs> cool. I dig it. <laughs> I try I try to show up too. Look at check out what this could do. I could never get I could never get it right. I, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um I don't know. I probably I'm like I said, I'm gonna play him the newest thing I just heard. Or her. I'm gonna play her the newest song. <laughs> <laughs> the newest the newest cool song that i just found on xmu because i'm you know I'm, I'm also that guy that's like always bothering my friends with like oh check this out check this out and they're like dude just trying to listen to the last thing you told me to listen to <laughs> but this new band is better than that band so yeah i'm always for like the fresh that. here's the freshest new thing that's great no it keeps you on your toes and it keeps, keeps, I'm you, on sure your toes. It keeps you yeah it, it, i'm sure it's it helpful in when you're scoring, you just will always have something fresh and relevant and yeah. in the zeitgeist that you can draw from. I think that's kind of crucial. I think you should always be looking around at what everybody's doing and staying, you know, it's like, it's like designing, you know, um, and designers that do houses and, and all that stuff. You know, you always got to look around and see what's happening and, and try to put your stamp on this world yeah well thank you so much jeff i appreciate your time um it's been great talking to talk to you and yeah congrats on it yeah thank you i'm so excited i'm so happy about this release